everybody, welcome to this edition of the Team Dreams Podcast. I'm Kevin Sylvester, along with Brian Poziel and Western New York PGA Pro Jeff Medes. Uh, you know, we're waiting for something juicy enough to talk about, and we've got a lot of juicy things that have happened here in October, and with the news coming out of South Korea. We'll start with Brooks Kepka. Actually, two things with Brooks Kepka. Number one, he has a knee injury. He withdrew from the event. CJ Cup at Nine Bridges with a knee injury after having said he had battled some pain all season long. Looks like he re-aggravated that knee injury. And then, uh, which is not great news, And but prior to the tournament starting, when asked about his rivalry with Rory McIlroy, Kepka said, what rivalry? Rory has not won. I'm paraphrasing. He said, what have I been out here five years? And Rory hasn't won a major in five years, so I don't see it as a rivalry. So, obviously, the media went and ran with that, which I guess we're guilty of here a little bit. But uh, I'll just start off, Brian, by saying that, you know, I, I know Brooks kept to be kind of a matter-of-fact kind of guy. And I don't think he said it to disrespect Rory McIlroy. I think he's just being matter-of-fact. I don't look at a rivalry because I haven't battled this guy uh, in the final rounds of uh, majors coming down the stretch. It was really just the uh, Tour Championship. Yeah, I think that what Kepka says, you almost have to take him literally of what he, he means because every time he says something, he doesn't seem at all to worry about if there's any sort of controversy or backlash around it. So I think you just take it for what he says. Yeah, Rory hasn't Rory and I haven't battled in a major and he hasn't won one. So I don't know why you guys would consider that there is a rivalry there. I mean, I think that's I think that's what's kind of fun about Kepka is that he doesn't really care uh, he doesn't really have a filter, I guess you'd say. And I'm not saying that he's saying inappropriate things. I just think that sometimes he'll say exactly what he feels, where other golfers maybe uh, are going to be a little bit more reserved in worrying about saying the perfect PR thing, worrying about maybe uh, putting down either the game, either the rules, either the tournament or another player. And although I agree with you, I don't think there was anything negative that he meant about uh, McElroy not being... Uh, involved in any sort of uh, rivalry with him because he hasn't competed head-to-head in a major with him. I just think he was kind of stating fact, and, you know, people are going to run with it because, in some sense, the shot, the, the thought is, well, yeah, Rory hasn't really been involved in winning a major anytime soon, and I think that's probably, it's true, and I would say that that's one thing that's been disappointing about McElroy. He's been incredible. He won the Player of the Year. He's been involved in a ton of tournaments, but when it comes to winning a major, he really hasn't been involved in terms of trying to win one as of late, whereas Kepka seems as though he's been a story in all these majors as of late. Uh, I would agree um, with almost everything you said there. I believe Kepka's playing at a at his own level, and he's focused on what he's trying to do as a player. He did lose out to him with the Player of the Year award, so there's there's got to be a little bit of rivalry there, so I don't think you can take it completely at face value. But I do believe that he hasn't gone head to head with Rory. I think you're right; he hasn't. Uh, he hasn't battled it out with him in a major. But you know, Rory's still a, a, a competitive player on the tour. A very competitive player, one of the top players on the tour. Maybe they haven't gone toe to toe in a major, but I would still consider him a rival to be one of the top players in the world. You know, Jeff, you do bring up a good point when it came to the Player of the Year, and uh, you know there there was some debate with that and. You know, I think Rory, now this is voted on by the players. This isn't voted on by the media. So, And Rory uh, won the award. He won two uh, you know, 
major tournaments. He won the, the, the unofficial fifth major in the Players' Championship. He wins a Tour Championship. He led the Tour in strokes game all season long, uh, which is a huge stat, and the players recognizing that. So I think that was a big part of it. And then Kepka, when asked about it afterwards, again, I, I, you know, just a, a matter-of-fact uh, comment, but I thought it was an interesting one where he said, hey, uh, LeBron James doesn't win the MVP every year, but you're trying to tell me he isn't the best player in basketball? You know, so <laughs> uh, I, I guess maybe he did feel a little slighted by not being the player of the year or having uh, won a major that usually is uh, a qualifier to win player of the year. and But Rory had such a great season winning three times and leading the tour in strokes gained total that uh, he was able to edge him out. So, yeah, perhaps he, he, there's a little bit of edge there now that we now we think about it, Brian. Yeah, and that could have been maybe just the one part of it that he was upset that Rory voted on, got you know more votes than he did. Right now we still judge golf, I think, in terms of, um, overall career success, we start with major wins. So I still say that that's what should be up most up uh, at the top of the list in terms of importance. I know the PGA Tour would love the FedEx Cup playoffs to kind of join that when they're evaluating careers and when we start to look at years. Uh, I think the FedEx up FedEx Cup playoffs is getting better and better each year, and maybe in a decade or twenty years from now, we'll look at the FedEx Cup playoffs as a premier thing to be involved in in terms of making it a successful either season or successful career. But right now I still think we judge a golfer's year on the masters, the U S open, the open championship uh, and the PGA championship. So uh, I think Kepka should have won it. If I had a vote, which I didn't, <laughs> I would have voted for him. Uh, I just think that there's not a bigger stage right now, still in golf than those four events. I don't think there's an event that has as much pressure as those four events. And Kepka, to me, played his best golf in those four events, whereas McElroy did not. Not to say that winning the Players' Championship is a slight in any way. I would say it's the fifth best tournament to win. I just wouldn't say it's as good as some of these other events that Kepka uh, was involved in. And it doesn't mean that Rory had a bad year in any capacity. I just I think that Kepka had the better year because that's what we judge success right now in golf by is majors. And Tiger, because of his stress on Jack's neck on Jack Nicklaus's record, kind of has made that so. If if he's not if Rory's not a rival, then who is? I mean, you've got a couple other players, DJ Justin Thomas maybe, but he, I think he does these things to motivate himself. I think he he thinks he's on a, a level above everybody else, especially when he's firing on all cylinders. And I do agree, he plays better. He has played better recently in the majors than anybody in the world. So to compare him with uh, with any of the other tour players, none of them has played as well as he has in the last two years worth of majors, I would say. Uh, but, I, you know, I think these things, he uses a lot of little things to motivate himself, and and that might just be another little ploy that he uses because going when both both players are playing at the top of their game, it's it's a pretty close match. They just haven't squared up at the same time in the same event, it feels like. Um, and, and I do think Rory's got to do a little bit better job during the majors to be considered as good a player in the majors or as good a player in the world as, as Brooks Koepke is right now. Well, and we're talking about number one player in the world. That's where Kepka is. You know, the challenge that Kepka is going to have in this season, which has already begun, is to maintain his status as number one. Because what we've seen here over recent years is we've seen players ascend to number one, 
This is after Tiger's uh, fall. Right? I mean, Tiger had been number one uh, for such a long time, but we saw uh, Rory McIlroy take over number one in the world. We saw Jason Day take over number one in the world. We've seen Justin Thomas be number one in the world, and who just won again at the CJ Cup. Uh, you know, we've seen Justin Rose be number one in the world. Dustin Johnson, uh, Brooks Kepka. Uh, it's so hard to hang on to that to maintain that level. That's to me is going to be interesting to see if Brooks Kepka can continue to do so. But but how long did Tiger have it? No one's going to touch that record. I don't believe. No, um, no I do one think is. that. Yeah, I do think that knee injury is is not a good sign though. If you're if there's anything to worry about, you know, Tiger struggled with the knee as much force as he puts on the human body when he creates all that speed. Knee injuries can be tricky. Um, it, it's hard to it's hard to play if you're you're not healthy and all your core and your power and your stability comes from the waist down. So if there is something to worry about, that would be it. And he hasn't. He played great in the majors, but he doesn't seem to play as well in your stock and trade tour events, I believe. So um, you know, a knee injury, even something like that, can can ruin your confidence a little bit. You know, you feel like you're the goat, and then all of a sudden. Um, you're not hitting as good as you used to, and you go into an event without the uh, without the confidence that he's strutted around with for the last few years. So it'll be interesting to follow if, how how severe this is and how much time he misses, or or how it affects his game. But that's a no injury is good for a golfer. Um, that one's a tough one, and and I think we all watched Tiger struggle with it for years. Uh, great point there too, Jeff. And you know when it comes to PGA Tour players, it's not like um, anybody, one of us out there listening, going with a knee injury, oh, I'll just dial it down. You know, it's league night. No, these guys are performing yeah. at a high level. They have to swing at a high level. And, you know, if they can't compete, they know it. And they're, they've got too much on the line um, to say, all right, I'm going to grind this one out to get through it. If Brooks Kepka knows something off, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to pull out here. I'm going to get some rest, get it evaluated so I don't hurt anything more. Because, frankly, he's got too much to lose uh, moving forward. So uh, the wise choice there. Brian, let's, uh, let's talk about Justin Thomas. He just he wins again the CJ Cup. I mean, uh, it's his third time winning the event. And you look at what he's been able to do here really since August. You know, wins a playoff event. Uh, now, now wins uh, this one uh, here in the fall schedule. Justin Thomas, after his injury that he had to withdraw from the PGA, uh, he is certainly back. No doubt about it. And for as small in stature as he is, when we compare him to maybe a guy like Brooks Kepka, uh, he still just is incredible in terms of how hard, how far he can hit the golf ball uh, off the tee. And I, you know, watching some of these par fives, he's able to reach into it's it's pretty impressive stuff. I mean, his swing uh, with him working with his father, a PGA professional, you know, for his whole life, and having that relationship that's been so strong, uh, you can see that his swing is one of the best. It's so fine tuned. And he also, I just, his mental approach to the game, I think, is so strong, too. I love hearing him be interviewed about his round, whether it's a good round or a bad round or how he describes what he's thinking. It's such a mature attitude. I mean, he's still such a young player, but you can tell that he was trained well by his father. I just, I, I think he's such a likable player. I, I like how he also is willing to give others credit, even maybe when he's not at the top of his game, he said, "Hey, this guy just played better today." Like he's, I, th- I think he's got a real good attitude. I think he's a, r- a really likable player in my eyes because of all those all those aspects. 
and, and I feel like there's a lot of players like him right now in the game. I think golf's in a good spot, with, even without Tiger. Justin Thomas, when he's firing on all cylinders, is amazing. Dustin Johnson, firing on all cylinders, is amazing. Uh, Brooks Kepka when he's firing on all cylinders. Who who when any one of these guys is playing at their best, who's the best player? And that's that's what we don't know right now. Uh, maybe it's been Brooks Kepka during the majors. Uh, but man, Justin Thomas, I'd love to have you know, him when he's playing his best. He can win any event. And I feel like there's a bunch of guys in that category right now. And whoever's hot, and they're all young. They're all about the same age, and they all seem to you know, to, to get along well. They all seem to interact well with the media. It's a, it's a different age in golf, and it's even different than what Tiger um, created. But it, it sure is fun to watch. And, you know, he's a horse for that course, Justin Thomas. And to win there three times, any, to win anywhere three times is great. And, uh, and you're right, he, he does swing so beautifully. He hits it so far. He gets so much out of what he has physically. Uh, he's just uber-talented. Um, that's what's making golf really, really fun to watch right now, even in this crossover season, even when we're competing against the NFL. Well, yeah, it's uh, people are certainly paying attention uh, to the PGA Tour in the fall um, from what what they've created here in moving this uh, around. And, you know, it's frankly a chance the tour is, gonna be, is international here um, for the next uh, few weeks on the PGA Tour, and, and that's kind of a cool thing. All right, speaking of international, Tiger Woods. Um, he'll be competing in a cool event. They're, they're having a skins game in Japan uh, with Rory, with Matsuyama, with Tiger, with Jason Day. I'm glad to see that kind of format uh, come back. I always thought it'd be cool, though, if the players put their own cash in. I always, <laughs> but, but they do that in practice rounds. So, so we don't get to see that, but that certainly happens. But that's, that's a cool event there with Tiger Woods. Uh, a couple of questions here with him, Brian. We'll start with President's Cup. Do you think he's going to select himself as captain to be a playing captain? I think he probably will as long as he feels that he's healthy. Um, I think it'll be less about, well, can I help the team win or not? I think it'll just be if I if he thinks he's healthy, then I think he's going to pick himself because I think he will also probably uh, being told and feel pressure for the many reasons that it would be better for the event that he plays. I think he knows that. I think he's been told that. I don't think he has to have it spelled out to him of why the event would take on a much bigger stage and draw more eyeballs if he is involved. So I think as long as health is not a, con is a concern, I think it'll be there. Uh, the only concern is that, you know, Tiger could look in some capacity like he's overlooking somebody that's had an amazing year. But I still think in the end, um, the he'll end up picking himself as long as he feels like he's healthy. And I guess with what his career has been, um, could he deserve the right to pick himself? I guess. I, I guess you, you know, who else would you say a player at this stature of his career is still able to play at a very high level and would also have the, the world resume that he does uh, that really nobody could question it. I, I think he's probably maybe the one of the, the only person that could do it. So uh, I hope he does play because I think it'll add more spice to the event. And I'm sure I'll be watching when he's playing regardless, but uh I think it'll be a move in the right direction if they go ahead and pick him because I think it'll it'll draw more eyeballs to the event. Yeah, Jeff, I think you? you've nailed it, Brian. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think if he's playing well enough, if it's close, he's going to pick himself, and that would draw the eyeballs. You know, I think the President's Cup is is it feels somewhat contrived compared to the Ryder Cup, and I don't feel like it's as big an event for the players. Maybe I'm wrong there, but um, if Tiger's playing and he makes himself a playing captain – 
Um, then you got some TV, you got some media, and you've got a, a little, uh, a little something, a little storyline for that event. Well, I, I, I think Jeff, I, I think it is big for the players. Um, it's not the magnitude of the Ryder Cup yet because the world hasn't beaten USA, so it's not that magnitude for fans. But if the world does beat USA, we'll look out <laughs> from the fans' perspective here. To me, it's like, uh, it's like the dream team in basketball. Uh, when they went out and dominated to show their dominance, and USA Golf continues to show their dominance in the President's Cup. Uh, but if the if the world can pull off an, an upset and win, then all of a sudden, whoa! And believe me, every player that they don't want to be on the team that loses uh, to the world team. And I actually think the world team this year has a, a better chance because the players around the world have never been better. Uh, it, it is a, it is a global game, so to me it's going to be interesting to see uh, how this Presidents Cup plays out. It's being played at Royal Melbourne, one of the great golf courses. That's why I think Tiger's going to pick himself, but for two reasons: one, it's on uh, one of the great golf courses in the world where you need uh, some precision, and Tiger, I mean, this guy's the best iron player of all time, in my opinion. Um, so I, I think he recognizes what he can bring to the team as a player. Plus, it's never been done. So why not be the first to do it? Um, and so I, that's why I think Tiger Woods is going to pick himself. And I really don't think there's anybody to be slighted. Matter of fact, I thought Phil Mickelson's comments when asked about playing for the D spot in the President's Cup team, when he said, I, I haven't warranted, um, I haven't done enough to warrant a selection. So I'm not expecting that. I thought that was great. Uh, and, and that Phil recognized, like, yeah, no, this isn't my year uh, to be on this, on the, on the President's Cup. Well, and here's what Tiger can do, too, is that by being also involved in the decision-making, he can set himself up for success. If he feels like one round a day is all his body has, well, then he can obviously pick it. If he says, look, playing with this player in this format gives me the best chance to succeed to actually validate picking him, then he has the control to do that because he's deciding who's playing with who. So I think that's also another added reason. It's He's not going to have to worry about, well, am I going to play in the right format? Not that if there was a different captain that he wouldn't be able to express that or that captain wouldn't ask Tiger's opinion anyway. But now he's fully in control of it. If he's feeling great, he can put himself out there more. If he feels like, hey, I just want to play once a day to keep my body refreshed, then he can do that too. And be able to pick your partner too. I mean, I think for Tiger, he's obviously grown in terms of opening up more to some of these guys to play more rounds with other people. but to basically be able to have the choice of who he wants to play with to kind of validate if they play well, that yes, picking himself was the right decision. Uh, it's sitting there on a platter for him if he wants it. He, and he did end the year as a, or end the season as a top 10 player in the world, if I'm not mistaken. So he, with his resume and everything else, he certainly earns that right to, to choose himself. If he, if he feels he's good or he's playing well enough to play and, you know, I just think it'll be a, a game time decision for him. And I don't, you know, I can't see, I, I agree with you, Brian, I think, and Kevin, he's going to try to do something nobody's ever done before. That may be motivation enough there for him to do it. Well, this is exciting. We're all agreeing. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's well, hard not basic, to agree on basic, Tiger. Yeah. Right. I said that basically it's Tiger Woods. He can do whatever the hell he wants. Who the hell is going to criticize right. him, right? Yes, <laughs> right? Exactly. Come on. It's a great, <laughs> anyway, um, he's going to come out with his own memoir. That'll be interesting to see what's uh, in the book. Uh, you know, he's had books written about him, and 
uh, said, you know, this will be the real story. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I don't know what more there is to say about that until it comes out. So speaking of things that um, we may not agree on, so I, I, I wrote a piece, which is fat. By the way, the fascinating thing in this exercise, when I created the code club um, for 716 area code, and for those unfamiliar with it, it's on uh, tdgreen.golf uh, uh, on the blog post, where I took and I decided to do private courses uh, predominantly, number one, because um, most of them have more name, uh, name recognition designers. Um, but B, uh, I just have more familiarity with them than public courses in Western New York where I could include them, include them all. I just thought that would be difficult, so I'm going to separate the categories. So I said, I'll do a private golf course. Well, here's and so the holes are on there. I, I, they had to be the coincide, coinciding hole number, but they were in the golf course. So hole one for my fictional golf course had to come from hole one at one of the other golf courses, which in this case was East Aurora Country Club, um, which I just think is a great hole. Um, there are other great starting holes uh, in Western New York. So, but here, you know what? I, I know uh, you've looked at it. I'm curious on your opinions on it. But the one thing I will say, guys, it's amazing to me how many people don't actually read things. And I'll tell you why. I, 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 I wanted feedback. I expected feedback. I didn't expect anybody, everybody to like it. Um, and, it, you know, there's other great holes to disagree. But some people were like, hey, you have no public golf courses on here. Um, that's correct. It states that in sentence one. And number two, I got hit up by three different, and Jeff, you probably had this every day managing Glen Oak. I got hit by three different vendors wanting to sell me equipment for my new golf course. <laughs> I had to let them know, guys, this is a fictitious golf course. It's not real. <laughs> so anyway, Brian, I'll start with you. Uh, just uh, perhaps your thoughts on uh, the code club. Yeah, I think it's a cool idea to be able to kind of create our what what we would say is a uh, dream golf course from all these places across Western New York. What's cool about it too is that the variety of holes that you're able to pick, Kev. I mean, you mentioned East Aurora Country Club, but I mean the courses that you went across and picked from, uh, you know, whether it's a, a a course that's been here for a long time, like Park, or even some of the newer venues ones. Even one I know you you know you had uh, where you play at Fox Valley, a, a hole or two from in there. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different styles. Uh, the holes from Craigburn or from Wanaka or from Lockport or all these other courses that you you know you mentioned, uh, I think that they all play differently, and I think that's what's so cool about when we, that we are fortunate we get a chance to maybe go and play some of these different courses and different holes. I mean, just thinking about the look and the feel of all these courses when you're on the grounds of those courses, like they all have their own look, they all have their own feel, and I think that's just what makes them great. I mean, when we go to do our T to Green show on Saturday and we do our tour around all these courses. Uh, you show up and there's like a certain vibe and there's a certain feel and they all have that kind of unique brand to it, which, which I like, because I feel like when you're there, you kind of soak that in when you're playing and uh, it's enjoyable, I know, to uh, be able to kind of play some of these. So to be able to create your, uh, your master 18 out of it, I thought was a really great idea. Yeah, it's a fun discussion. And I think people are, uh, there's always going to be that Homer mentality of your, you know, the, you really enjoy the place you play or you really like the club you played at and, uh, or, or been a member at, and so those are always uh, 
those that's always weighted into that discussion but it is a fun discussion and it gets you into the 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 width and breadth of architecture that we have around here we go from donald roth to the modern designers and, and all the and there's so many really nice facilities around west new york and then if you start adding rochester or erie it really gets crazy because we are really fortunate in this area to have some some of the great old designers of the world some of the best designers in the world have designed a lot of golf courses in our area and so it, it makes for a really nice discussion and it's a difficult way to create that list but it was a fun way to do it well you know it's interesting that someone said oh you don't have any rochester courses i'm like how come you consider them a or something like you missed him. I'm like, I said, obviously, if I included Rochester, don't you think Oak Hill would be on there a half dozen times? <laughs> I mean, right. just yeah. uh, your Monroe East Golf and West. Club too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, I said, you know, uh, it's, it's it's a masterpiece over there. So obviously, you know, I didn't include. But I, what I wanted to do, I, I again, this was my opinion. This is what the, the holes that I think are great, and I also, in my thought process, and this is where golf architects. I think deserve a ton of credit is routing a golf course as if you're playing the golf course. So, you know, um, one person uh, seemed to uh, be really bored and just dissected, uh, you know, every hole I did. And I was laughing because he had three par fives in a row uh, with ripping <laughs> my routing. I'm like, who the hell is going to play a golf course with three par fives in a row? Uh, that, that just doesn't make sense. Um, that So my goal was I'm creating a golf course that you could actually play and it routes that way. So what I first did, I said, all right, where am I going to put par threes and par fives? Um, I thought that was important to uh, lay them out, pace them, if you will, Jeff. I thought, I, and to me, that was a real challenge. It took so much time to say, ah, you know what? I really love this hole, but man, I, I need to get a par three in here. And we can't, and I didn't want to finish on a par three or start on a par three. I just, I didn't want to do that. And that's what makes it a, a fun, and you've played so many courses, that's what makes it a fun project. You know, if you, throughout Western New York, well, what's the best opening hole in Western New York? Well, you can go through 20 clubs. Is Country Club of Buffalo, is Park Club, is, you know, like you said, East Aurora. I, I, opening holes, architects often want to ease you into the round and still have something visually that you remember. And and the nice thing is, when you remember holes when you play them on a golf course, if you can go after a round and remember every hole you've played or, you know, remember the sixth hole over at this club, that's because that hole's memorable. And that's what makes a project like this or an idea like this or a conversation like this fun. Because it's, it's how you remember it. And then, like you said, the or like I said, there there's that home uh, home course uh, home course love. You know, we're, we're, we're going to lean towards the places we play a lot or have an affinity for. No, Kev, I think that overall you did a good job with it. I mean, the, and the fun part of this is the debate. And the fun part is I, you could say there's really technically no right answer to any of the holes. We can sit here and, and say, look at this is what's so great about number 12 at this course or number 18 at this course or number one at this course. Like, um, and that's what makes good discussion, makes good uh, radio and podcast talk for us. And, uh, you know, I, I think the fact that we are just, I, the overall thing for me is we're raising awareness of how many cool holes there are at so many great venues here in Western New York and how they are, have, how we have a good variety of them. And Jeff said it, that we are uh, lucky to have such a, a nice set of tracks to be able to play uh, even for these pub these uh, private venues that uh, maybe a lot of you that are listening to this are members at and fortunate to be so at. Well, I, I am going to do a public one. Um, so, but it, it's, I, I got to take a second to do it because it'd be very difficult, but, 
Jeff, I need your help like for Glen Oak. What hole? I know what hole I want to put in on Glen Oak. Um, which hole would you say is if you had to pick one hole from Glen Oak? You say that that one's got to be on the list. Um, you know, Robert Trent Jones is a pretty good architect, and I'm, I'm proud of all our green surrounds. Um, yeah, one of my favorite holes there might be the eighth hole, par three. Um, just because the tee provides you so many options and it curls around that pond that way, you know, you can play the hole from 143 to 212 yards. And with the uh, the green surrounds and the bunkering and the water, I think, um, that's a pretty well designed par three right there. I, uh, Brian, what do you think from Glen Oak? And I, when I was thinking of holes at Glen Oak, I immediately thought of another par three. I thought of the 12th. I just, I love how the pond angles away from you as the green goes more toward the back. So it comes kind of more into play depending upon where the pin placement is. And that again leads to thought and good, uh, you know, pin placement, but a good strategy from the tee. What's the wind doing? Where is the pin on the green? Uh, which is similar to number eight. Is that's, I think eight, you have a little more play with the T, whereas on 12 at Glen Oak, you have a little bit more play with the pin placement. And I don't know, Jeff, you agree with that or not, but I feel like it's kind of the, both the same idea that depending upon how, how you angle the T box on eight or where you place it or the pin on 12, it sets up for some really cool kind of strategy when you step over the ball. Yeah, and there's holes I like. Um, number 11, the par five, is also a hole I would put in that list. Um, just cause if it's a, since we cleared out some trees there, the, the tee shot's great and it's a reachable par five and the, the surrounds and the, and the runoff around the green in the front and the left. Um, you know, just when you remember a hole and it gives you lots of options, that makes a, that makes it a lot of fun to play. Uh, you know what? So both holes eight and 12 are in, in consideration, but the hole that I'm thinking of, and I just think it's cause it's a fun hole to play. And its risk reward is number seven, this short par four. I just think it's a it's again when you're playing, it's about playing a round of golf. Um, do I think it's the greatest design hole? No, I don't. But I think it's one of the most fun holes to play, actually, in all of Western New York. Because hey, if you're feeling it, I'm going to go for uh, you know I, I, the front left of the green, or I'm going to play it safe and hit an iron and a wedge in. I think it's a cool. I think it's a cool hole. Yeah, the options are what makes it fun, you know. Um, and I do like that hole too because you know if you if you're going for it with the with the driver trying to get it up on the green, a little bit of a pull and you're out of bounds, a little bit of a push and you're in the hazard. But there is a lot of reward if you're putting for an eagle there. Yeah, it is a it's a cool hole. Well, I I, I look forward to putting together that, and then uh, uh, I can't wait to hear all the defense. I already know what hole number one's going to be, but I'll 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 leave that. I think you know, we've probably talked about it. I think it's one of the most difficult starting holes in all of Western New York. So I'll save that for the blog post. Uh, predictions, real quick. Brian, how much golf do we have left in Western New York? I'll go with uh, one month. I think we have one month left. Hopefully this week looks good that we'll be getting some golf in. So I'll say one month to go. Thanksgiving is when it's over this year. Jeffrey? Yeah, usually around the 15th of November. We've had a much better fall this year than we did last year. So we've gotten a lot more golf in this year than we did last year already. So anything is gravy right now. I think uh, you know if you if you'll play above fifty or forty-five to fifty, I think you got through November fifteenth at least. All right. I hope you hope you're right. I played today. It was awesome day. I mean, we've had we've had I'll a great tomorrow. weekend. 
We've had a yeah. great weekend in Western New York. Yeah, Monday, uh, we're recording this on a Sunday night. Monday uh, looks amazing. Good stuff there. All right, hey, make sure you check out tdgreen.golf for Brian Cozio, DJ Pro Jeff Meets. I'm Kevin Sylvester. Thanks for